Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. I call her Lilbo. She calls me Joe, because that's what my dad called me. He called me Johnny Joe. I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. In this episode, we're talking to Johnny Flynn. I'm a musician, actor. <laughs> I don't know. I'm prone to giving long, complicated answers that don't actually really say anything, by the way. <laughs> and his sister, Lily. I am an actor and musician. And I'm Johnny Flynn's little sister, yes. <laughs> yeah, because obviously my life meant nothing before Lily turned up, so... <laughs> obviously. I don't remember very much before Lily, BL, <laughs> as it's known in the religion. <laughs> But I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. I always remember it being really sad that he had to go back because I so loved having him there, obviously, and... Um, I mi I missed him a lot. And so she moved into this flat with me and my one of my best friends. And that was weirdly hard, actually, because we were finding each other after this time of, you know, growing up separately at school. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Lily sings in Johnny's band, The Sussex Wit, which is well known for lots of reasons, including composing the music for the TV series The Detectorists. Johnny and Lily's dad was the actor Eric Flynn, who obviously passed on his love of performing to all of his children. There are four much older half-siblings, including the actor Jerome Flynn. We talk about inheriting the passion for performance from their parents and about the sadness of losing their dad when they were still just teenagers. But we started by talking about childhood holidays to Wales and the pure joy of singing together as a family. Wales in particular, holidays to Wales always reminds me of, we listened to the Sgt Pepper album and the Beach Boys. Suddenly he like dropped the Beatles and I thought that he was just like we were never going to get any kind of pop music from him. That was a really good car journey. <laughs> and also because it seemed quite out there for dad to be into that stuff. Like he played a lot of... Um, He'd play music like Ella Fitzgerald and Nina Simone. Like Johnny Mercer, big band, classic American songbook. Like he, he was a musical star when musicals were cool. Sorry, love. Um, <laughs> musicals are cool. And then the other thing from that period that I remember him playing and it taught me quite a lot was um, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. When we moved to Wales, Dad bought a, an old Ford Fiesta van and the speakers were blown on one side and all that old early 60s music, the vocals were hard panned right and left. So Simon was in on the left and Garfunkel was on the right, but we only had 
Garfunkel because the left was blown out. So we learn through our imagination of what Simon's harmony should be. That's how we learned to harmonize was by we had to harmonize. It was necessity. Otherwise, the record sounded shit. Yeah, yeah, I I can test that. Yeah. So um, I didn't ask this question. I should have done separately. And I meant to ask Johnny, can you remember when Lily arrived? Um, Yeah, she 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 pulled up in a Bentley (laughs) long gravel drive. Can't remember where we were. Um. Not really, no. <laughs> she was just she was just there. You know, we were living in London when she was born and I remember going to the hospital with some Toblerone and um, Vogue magazine for my mum in hospital. Yes. Just remember, like, these Toblerone and Vogue were, like, incredibly exotic. I was like, what is this, you know, world that she doesn't normally live in? And I've never seen her with a copy of Vogue before. <laughs> It's a tradition I've continued with my wife and each of our kids that have been born. Chocolate and Vogue and um, flowers in hospital. Classic. Specifically, airport chocolate, or yeah, that because it's got an it's got that excitement of when people come back from duty free and it it suits the yeah the astral travel of of infants arriving on planet Earth. (laughs) <laughs> so you can't have been a jealous big brother then if you can't really remember BL. I don't think I was the type. I don't know, maybe Lily <laughs> knows something I don't, but I think I was never no. I think I was just really happy to have the heat taken off me. Gabriel, my son, is quite similar. You know, he was about to turn five when when our middle one arrived, the next one. I was a bit younger, but I think I think I had quite a similar experience for him. It was just like he was like kicking his heels waiting for her to turn up and um so I think as soon as Lily was there I had my playmate you know did you grow up as a little twosome you and Johnny or well we we were very much a little twosome the older ones were always around but obviously not not so much because they all um well Jerome doesn't have any children but my sister and my other brother Dan both had kids not that long after we came along so that was nice because we got to grow up with our nieces and nephews and stuff but um Johnny actually went away to a a boarding school when um he was eight and I was five we were really close me and Lily up till I was eight I think I was when I went off Mm -hmm. to school and then I went off to boarding school and um, we were still, you know, really close through growing up, but uh, we were having quite separate, different experiences of childhood. Can you remember the the way it was explained to you? Because five is quite little to understand past and present and future, but it's not too little yeah. to understand that your brother's going away. Yeah, I mean, I, de- I definitely understood and I remember part of his um, thing for his scholarship was he had to be a, a chorister. So I just remember every Sunday going to Winchester Cathedral to watch Johnny sing and then we'd bring him home and we'd have Sunday lunch and then we'd watch some cartoons and then and then we'd have to take him back and it was always really sad. I always remember it being really sad that he had to go back because I so loved having him there obviously and um I mi- I missed him a lot, especially when he first went away. What was that 
moment like when you left? I find it really hard to even talk about it. I mean, at the time, I feel like it was quite quite bleak, <laughs> quite sad. And, you know, like since have wrestled with a lot of sadness around it and, and kind of projected a lot of sadness uh, onto it in my memories of that time and um, what it was. It's come up a lot since I've had kids and um, my son is now, you know, the age that I was when I was off at school. He's nine and it came up quite a lot when he hit that age and I and I felt like I needed to kind of keep him even closer to me with the memory of having been sent away from uh, the family. Uh, it was quite traumatic, yeah, in lots of ways. And um, it's hard for my mum, I think, to hear me talk about it in this way because I'm also, you know, at the same time, I'm really grateful for what she was the sacrifice she was making certainly from her perspective in sending me away to school because uh, I, I got a music scholarship and I think she, you know for her it was this amazing opportunity I was I think I was just too young to know what was what was going on but I, I did find it really hard being sort of taken away from the family but I did understand that it was he was going to a very good school where and he did have this crazy musical talent he was like this little prodigy um I understood that and I knew that he was at this school because he was so great at music and it was just going to help him sort of get better and better and so you sort of had two experiences in a way you were only child a bit in the week and then sister on the weekend yeah it was weird because I I sort of grew up knowing that I always had these four older siblings but then I kind of grew up like an only child it was it was quite a sort of odd (laughs) like an odd thing and then I think the older I got the more used I got to being on my own and then so when we were teenagers and Johnny would come home it got to the point then when Johnny then went to a different school and he would just come home in the holidays and I think I would get so used to him not being around that when he did come around we'd be like you know classic teenage brother and sister and arguing and fighting I think I I was the one who was very annoying he was always very calm and patient and kind and sweet with me and I I I was the uh the bratty little sister yeah (laughs) it sounds like in your family someone once described with siblings even if you had stayed at home and not gone to boarding school but particularly because you went away and because your older half siblings are so much older that none of you swam in the same water like the the tide had moved and the current had moved on and each of you had your own yeah stream yeah so yeah no it was it was that and I'm I'm yeah yeah it was exactly that and like Lily and I have this like intrinsic closeness deep kind of love and bond and but I remember you know up to the age of eight and and beyond that really um but it was challenged by the separation this sense of I couldn't be closer to you know like I just was like you're my best friend like even though she was really annoying at times and kind of played up to the kind of younger sibling role of winding me up and then me getting blamed for anything that happened I just adored her and I remember wanting to you know, you, when you're little with your siblings, you're like, I don't know, you don't understand what romantic love is between people. And I was like, well, obviously, I'm going to marry my, I'm going to marry Lily. <laughs> you know, when people are like, you can get married and have kids. I was like, I'm going to marry Lily. She's, I, she's just sort of, we were a part of 
each other. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a perfect girl to you, right? At that age, I guess and she's yeah. Partner in crime. She's a she's there. She finds you funny. She's yeah. You. Well, we had a good. We had a bit of a double act going on, which it was perfect. It was perfect. You're right. We were. I thought I was her kind of personal entertainer. <laughs> I was there to to make her laugh. Basically, that was my role in life, and I loved it. <laughs> um, your dad died when you were quite young. Yeah. Right? How old were you? Tell me about it. I was fifteen. And I think, I think he died just before Johnny's 19th birthday. So that was a bit strange. But yeah, I mean, he was definitely, you know, the sort of patriarch of the family. He was a, a an actor and singer and, and performer and he had this beautiful voice. And there's, I, it's, I mean, I think he's definitely the reason, the reason why four out of five of his children followed in his footsteps we just all wanted to be like like dad and i think johnny and dad had a a bit a slightly different relationship to me and dad i think um dad would sometimes be quite strict with johnny he was an old school dad he was he was an older dad as well he was um mm-hmm. you know he was 47 by the time i came along i was the last the last of his brood <laughs> he came from a different time and he was quite an old fashioned man and you know johnny was a, a very much a sort of you know millennial teenager and uh was very into his music but also you know he was a typical he was just being a typical boy and i think my dad sometimes couldn't understand why he wasn't getting up at like eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> and stuff like that and um I was very much a daddy's girl. Dad was my absolute world. It was awful to lose him when we were so young. When I spoke to Lily on um, on her own just now, she said that your dad could be slightly tougher on you, um, especially when you got a bit older, not at five perhaps, although perhaps he was, but as a teenager. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's quite funny. My older half-brother Daniel said something that, I've always thought that I was quite isolated in that experience of my dad being quite tough on me. But Daniel said the other day, he said, well, I think we can all agree that dad was a very good dad to young children and then struggled a bit when they hit their teens. And I was like, oh, right. I thought it was just me, you know, because I didn't witness what he was like with them when they were growing up. I just saw them all getting on really well as adults. They sort of seemed to rediscover each other in their 20s and kind of he had tremendous respect for his older kids. And, the, you know, you, you just you could tell that he just trusted them as adults. They'd go to the pub together or whatever. And But, you know, my in-therapy 30s self has realised that actually, God, yeah, because his dad died. Our grandfather died when dad was, uh, how old, Lil? He was only 13. Yeah. I think. Which is about he, the age yeah. that I was when things went a bit weird with dad. Mm. Um, yeah. Do, do you think he didn't have some, a map? A little bit, yeah. And he had a very weird childhood and didn't have a very close relationship with his father at all. His earliest memories were in a prisoner of war camp from the age of like two to six or seven or something he was in a prisoner of war camp in China imprisoned by the Japanese so really extreme and then and then when his dad died 
quite suddenly quite young and then his mum brought him to London to England had to lodge him in a kind of boarding house while she went out to work so very austere childhood in terms of the love that he received from his parents so I think some of that was at play maybe I don't know so in fact he did remarkably well yeah he did I've I've realized that I've gone from being like huh what's wrong with you like <laughs> give me a hug you know stop shouting at me to being like oh dad you're doing really well you know life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much like unexpected medical costs that's why united healthcare provides health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs learn more at uh1.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I guess it's a question of perspective, isn't it? And, you know, you travel through life, you get to be 30, you get to be 35, you get to be 40, some of us. And you retell these stories to yourself a little bit and you gain the perspective of your father as a 40-year-old. And Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can understand it. And then there's lots of things can be true at the same time. Like he can have been hard of you on a teenage, as a teenager and he can have given you great gifts of his love for music, you watching him perform and... yeah being lost in song I mean these things can be true at the same time oh yeah 100 percent. absolutely yeah he definitely gave gave us all that and um it's yeah in my head when I think back to our time where it was you know the two of us and our mum and dad and and I do just remember you know I guess 90 percent of the time it was all pretty harmonious and happy and he did before he died he had all these amazing experiences and he went to India with my other brother on these retreats and he had he became this kind of enlightened being and almost like a prophet he started writing all this amazing stuff and he's there in Johnny's songwriting I mean raising the dead the lyrics of that song it's he had cancer he died and we we put a bed for him in the in the downstairs kitchen and that's the room where he where he died and um and the radio was playing and Johnny was actually there when he died so I think he's he's really got that emblazoned in him and we all got it spinning to the place where he lived and the room that he died in there's a new song playing on the radio that night oh He plays a part in all of our lives still in some way or another. And I think with Johnny, he's very much there in his in his music. And for me, he's there on stage in the theatre. He's very much still a presence, which is really lovely. Oh, 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 oh,
that revelation, that sort of therapy, um, 30-year-old experience, was that something you managed to resolve before he died? You said he got on with his older children in their 20s, but he died Mm. shy of your 19th birthday. Had there been resolution and peace? Um, For me, it was... Um, a, a sort, a, a sort of, a sort of. It carried on after his death. To be honest, that's like that's been my journey in our relationship. Like me coming to terms with it. I found it. Um, I was aware that Lily and him were really close. I was probably a bit, um, not really jealous, but like sad that he wasn't able to love, seemingly love me as unconditionally as as that. And and I remember him you know being a bit unconsciously unkind at times or something or just like not quite getting me and um just in the last bit of time before he died he had a bit of a spiritual transformation and um started kind of being pretty like zen about everything and um and died in a very beautiful state of grace very accepting and not complaining about his illness at all and that was really beautiful to witness so there was a sense of general resolution for him in his life but our personal relationship didn't get a lot of attention through that time because there's a lot of energy around somebody who's dying and they're and they're making sure they're okay and um so you know yeah he didn't kind of go come on let's go and spend some time together and fix this thing um, cause he couldn't cause he was ill, but yeah, but, but, but I've, I've, I've kind of, yeah. So I'm, yeah, been on a journey with that. You know, you kind of paint a really nice picture of watching cartoons and having roast and a crumble or whatever on a Sunday. And obviously li- little siblings feel like friends, but can you remember the moment as a young adult or an old teenager, perhaps when you kind of looked at Johnny and thought, Oh, you know, straight up, you are one of my best friends. If he indeed he is, I get the feeling you're close. He is, yeah. I I think it was when when I first moved to London when I, I'd been eighteen for about two weeks when I moved to London and started drama school. Johnny was at the same drama school, but he was two years above me. We lived together in this tiny, tiny little flat with another friend of his. Johnny had a mattress on the floor in the living room I had this kind of little cupboard room and Ben Ben because Ben found the flat he got the bedroom um and it was the first time that we had lived together since we were really really tiny and um he's always looked out for me and and been the best big brother but I I really started to consider him to be my guardian angel um from that point because he's yeah yeah and I felt really responsible for her as the older brother. I was going to kind of make sure that her London sort of debut <laughs> was <laughs> was as easy as it could be. And so she moved into this flat with me and my one of my best friends. And that was um, weirdly hard, actually, because we were finding each other after this time of, you know, growing up separately at school. Um, mm. And then you know me being kind of like older brotherly is actually not great for a young person kind of going out into the world and discovering themselves on their own feet and stuff but yeah we had to put a lot of effort into our relationship and um in my mind it was like right we're gonna 
do this thing you know of being together and rekindling uh that childhood closeness but it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be it took me a while to really see her as as her own person and see that that was what she needed and and yeah that's really and that stands you in good stead I think as you go through adulthood that sort of bonding intense bonding yeah totally and then you know not long after you know he got signed to a record label and all the band stuff started happening and he very kindly and sweetly asked me if I wanted to play with the band and stuff so I feel like our relationship really started and really developed from that first year when I when I lived in London and uh it's been great because with the band we've actually managed to work together so much over the years which and spend really amazing time together and in in amazing places all over the world and that's amazing when I started to be you know a musician playing gigs and stuff and thought yeah well you know Lily and I've always sung together we love each other let's uh, she should be in the band as wonderful as that is in principle it's also quite difficult sometimes just because we're siblings and we're in a band together and you know, I've curated this band of of like my mates and stuff. And then there's my sister, who's also my mate, but she's also my sister. And it's just like a different relationship that I have to, with her to the other people in the band. And um, so that's taken work as well. I'm not musical at all. Um, but what does it feel like as a sibling pair to perform and make music together? Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's really great. Um, I love it so much. Actually, I think nothing makes me happier, really. I feel so proud of him and his music and getting to do it with him is is just so lovely. And I also just think that there's um, there's something that happens to your voices when you're siblings. They just kind of like blend and merge together so well. And it's, yeah, it's magic. I love it. I love it so much. I have so much respect for her as a musician and I think she's the most musical person in in the family by a country mile like she's she's got such a good ear she has the most incredible memory so whilst I was having this very formal musical education I sort of always kind of knew that the real talent was was Lily she's just this innate talent that I think is much more valuable so it's a natural thing for me to kind of want her to be in the band and because we've always sung together in the car and and our voices have kind of grown up together, you know, we've always kind of left space for each other. There's a lily-shaped kind of space <laughs> in me that she fits into. So so when we sing together, it's really natural. And I don't have, you know, there's a, sh- there's a real shorthand. She resists me directing her sometimes, but I have to because I'm a control freak. Um, <laughs> but but I have, a, I have a very clear kind of aesthetic for what the 
you know, I, even though it's a bit difficult, this bit sometimes, but I maintain the right to be quite direct in what, what I want it to be because it's my vision. And if I'm the, I'm the painter, I'm choosing the colours. And I really sometimes specifically want her to kind of try and do certain things with her voice. And that I used to be more like that. And now I'm much more trusting of what naturally happens and just kind of let it be. Please help me build a small boat One that'll ride on the flow Where the river runs deep And the larger fish creep I'm glad of what keeps me afloat The water sustains me without even trying The water can't drown me, I'm done I loved the story that mum told us of of her being in this kind of folk band in the 70s and running a restaurant, a cafe, and singing in this uh, band with her ex-fiancé. Before she met our dad in, in South Africa, her and her friends ran a restaurant in Durban and they were also the sort of resident musicians. And... Um, Mum had this kind of extensive, amazing songbook. When I learned, taught myself how to play the guitar from about the age of 11 or 12, she gave me her songbook from that period and it had written down every song that she'd learned and, and some of the chords and sometimes the, a few staves of music and melody line or whatever, but every, like just hundreds and hundreds of songs that was like her whole canon of songs and I that that's how I learned the guitar was playing these old songs so I was completely in love with the myth of mum in this in this group which um was such a great gift for us because it was all these all these amazing songs but one of the records that she really loved and it was this um it's this trio of sisters from New Jersey who were kind of on the New York scene in the late 70s early 80s and they're called the Roaches and they they sing in these three-part harmonies and I just remember a lot of our car journeys were um mm. our mum and Johnny and me and we'd each take a line and I always credit the Roaches with sort of teaching me how to sing and yeah harmonize. no that al- that album's m- massive for me yeah. as well and I started trying to play it to the kids because they they're so witty and sweet the, the song's really beautiful yeah. and the, the the album that's just called the Roaches is brilliant and I, I feel like that album taught me how to write songs as well and I think in our family well, lots of people always talk, talk about sort of dad being such an influence but actually yeah mum musically wise was such a huge huge influence and she definitely mum taught me how to she taught me my first sort of three chords on the guitar you know those three chords where you can play like a million different songs she's a better guitar player than dad definitely oh definitely mum yeah and she could um, do finger picking and all that stuff yeah and she was the one dragging us to music lessons and all that stuff as well yeah, we had such a sort of different musical education from, from both parents. Very, very different, but equally as great. Um, and finally, do you, are you a family with nicknames? Uh, we did. I mean, we did have a lot when we were little. Our dad called us Stumblebum and Squirtface, I think, for a couple <laughs> of years. She probably mentioned that. No, she did. All right. He, it was sweet. We liked, you know, we enjoyed it, I think. Oh yeah, Squirtface and Stumblebum. Oh my gosh, I completely forgot. I was Squirtface and 
You were stumblebum. That was all I thought about when we were asked to do this podcast. I was like, oh, we'll just be talking about stumblebum and squirt face. It's completely, completely slipped my mind. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you very much to Johnny and to Lily. It's really fun. I love talking about Lily. Thank you too to Tanita Tickerham, who let us use this amazing song. Sound design is by Nick Carter at Nick Sonics and digital production by Charlotte Griffiths. Next week is the historian Dan Snow and his sister Becca, who talk about eccentricity, privilege and the joys of ruling the dance floor. Thank you for listening. If you want to see some really sweet pictures of Johnny and Lily or to find out more about the podcast, head to relativelypodcast.com. Of love and hate, stand by the fireside. Another rain may fall. Your father's calling you. You still feel safe inside, and your mom's too proud. Your brother's ignoring you. You still feel safe inside. Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time, it's didn't do. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com